This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast. We are on the road today traveling with the Sooner softball team in Lawrence, Kansas, getting ready for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series with the Kansas Jayhawks, of course, with the Easter holiday this weekend. Sooners getting their action in all the Big 12, as a matter of fact, in softball, getting their action in early so there's no game scheduled on Sunday for the Easter holiday and similar for the baseball team who was up in Ann Arbor with Thursday, Friday, Saturday games in their non-conference against Michigan. Uh, we got a busy show today because we're chasing a national championship. KJ Kindler will join us. Meg McDonald will join us and we will take you behind the scenes of Brad Dalkey's trip to the Masters. That's right. Uh, Matt Archibald, Sooner Sports TV Digital side, I mean, an absolute stud. He'll join us coming up later in the podcast and kind of, I don't know, inside the ropes maybe is a way to put it at the Masters and his coverage of Sooner standout Brad Dalkey's first ever appearance in the Masters. But real quick, before we get to that all-in, in-depth preview of the women's gymnastics team up in St. Louis, I wanted to start with a quick reminder. Next week, we're running out of home softball games. There's only five home softball games left this year for the Sooners. Now, again, there's postseason possibilities with regionals, and if the Sooners can get in that top eight, super regional uh, opportunities as well. But uh, just released by the ticket office yesterday, four of the five remaining home games sold out. So you have one opportunity to get tickets if you don't already have them to see the Sooners. Obviously, if you don't already have them, you would want to get tickets to see the Sooners at home in 2017. The only date available, it's the greatest date on the schedule, April 23rd. That's a week from Sunday whenever Oklahoma takes on Baylor, which could be a top-10 matchup. So that's OU Baylor next Sunday, April 23rd. Get ticket information at Soonersports.com. Patty Gasso's crew playing very well. I'm excited to see how they perform this week. As we tape this, they've won 12 straight games, 18 straight on the road, and 21 straight conference games. So, obviously, you want to see this team. Only one game has tickets available, and that's April 23rd. Get your tickets at Soonersports.com. All right, let's talk about defending a national championship, shall we? We kick off the Sooner Sports Podcast, the tailgate edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast by chatting with OU head women's gymnastics coach KJ Kindler as she gets set for the trip to St. Louis. We asked her how she's feeling about things and how her team's feeling about things right now. They don't seem nervous to me. They seem excited and ready to go, kind of like let's get on the bus, let's make this thing happen kind of thing. So we've had really good training and just feeling pretty good about it. Did you like the way that, and, and again, this is still my ignorance and learning more about the process, but the way in which uh, the process went for when you will perform and will your, will, where you will start, I mean, that all was, uh, I don't know, is that predetermined, Coach? How does that come to, uh, come to be decided? It's a, a double-blind draw done by the NCAA oh, wow. office. I wish it was done on video, but... <laughs> 
it's uh it just kind of comes our way at the end of the regional and so we we basically get an email hey this is where you start so for us we start on the buy before floor um and end on balance beam now we're used to ending on balance beam we do in every away meet that we go to that's the rotation where we end there um, we started on floor once this year, and that was in St. Louis, actually, at our St. Louis meet. And uh, we handled it really well. You know, it's kind of nice to start on floor. You have tons of adrenaline, obviously, and you're, like, pumped up. So that event takes the most energy out of you. So I, I think it's, it's good for the first night. I think um, it'll be fine, and ending on beams, no issue. So um, I'm okay with it. You know, is it the best rotation for us? I don't think so, but, you know, you got to do them all, and it doesn't matter when it happens. So um, then it's predetermined what your rotation is if you, for instance, win your session or get second in your session or get third in your session. You start on this, this, or this event. So we know that if we win the session, we'll start on the buy before bars, and if we get second in the session, we'll start on vault, and if we get third in the session, we'll start on the um, – on floor. So that's kind of predetermined and it's totally up to us on where we end up that first night. That's awesome. So how about for you? Yeah. Then? You talk about the girls, but how's, how's KJ Kindler? Uh, where's your energy <laughs> at right now? What's, what's your emotions like? Well, I just got done with the academic banquet. <laughs> I oh, that's that right. Early, that's right. Yeah. We have that early morning banquet the week of nationals every year. So it feels very you know, this is our schedule. We go to this, then we leave for nationals. It's kind of, it feels, uh, feels normal, you know, but, um, I'm excited, you know, it's, it's been a really great season and they've prepared so well. Uh, I have no regrets as a coach in the way we've prepared them. And I know that, you know, and from here on out, it's really, you know, it's really up to, up to them to turn it on. So I'm excited what's the uh you know i i gotta admit i i grew up in st louis and i i was i've never been familiar with the arena that you guys are performing in. it's actually on the st louis u campus correct yes it's chafetz arena what, it's I mean, beautiful is, okay okay that that was they built it because St. Louis U, they, they never really had an on-campus facility. Saint, uh, the the Billikins would always have to play in the Checker Dome. I'm old. The Checker Dome, and uh, they would put them in the uh, in the Chase Center. But uh, from an environment perspective, Coach, is it is it something you you guys have performed there? So are you familiar with it, or is it going to be unique? What's kind of the what does the facility role play in in a, at least an expectation or a preparation perspective? Yeah, we haven't competed there. We we went to St. Louis and competed on podium, but not in that building. And so we haven't been in that building. Maggie uh, Nichols and Brenna Dow have both competed in that building at P&G Championships last year. So I have been in the facility when it's been set up. And it's a beautiful arena. It has these great suites. You know, we've rented a couple suites for fans. And um, our fans have rented them. And I know um, the coaching staff and families have. So that's kind of a nice little, you know, a lot of arenas don't have that opportunity. So that's cool for the kids. They can run around and... <laughs> not be blocked in that's but the awesome view the view's great it, it's got about i, I want to say it has about fourteen thousand seats i don't know exactly but i've been told that we're going to be near sold out so i'm really excited about that and um i think it's going to be you know the the gymnastics communities in that area have really rallied and 
Uh, I know a lot of people are coming, and we've used every single ticket we were given, so hopefully Sooner fans will be all over the place in St. Louis. I know they were last year. That was one of the coolest things in watching it was to see the the crimson and cream in the crowd, and you've talked about it a lot. You feed off it. Your student-athletes feed off it. From the way in which you prepared whenever – you know, you would decide to rest Maggie at some um, some events, and you would rest other uh, athletes. Do you feel like the plan has worked? Do you feel like everyone is fresh heading into nationals, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I think I think as fresh as we can be. We 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 have been quite healthy this year, with the exception of Maggie nursing that um, that knee. So, um, feeling really good about their bodies and where they're at physically. Um, you know, Maggie had. Uh, rested quite a bit, but was able to do all around at regionals, which I think was a big confidence builder for her. A lot of people would say, why, why does Maggie Nichols have to build her confidence? And um, she would say, uh, well, mentally you still have to be there. You know, you still have to be on your spot. And I think that, you know, for her, she needs that repetition. She needs to go in every week. Um, that's how she builds her confidence. So I think for her, it's really important and really good for her. So I think she's ready. How much confidence does it give this entire crew, and I don't just mean the athletes, but I mean yourself, your coaching staff, to have competed against the best? I mean, in other words, you go back and you look at your non-conference scheduling, and I can remember sitting in studio and you were laying out, hey, we're bringing UCLA and we're bringing Alabama to start things off in 2017, so you guys have to be ready. You now go into the national championship knowing that you can compete with and have beaten the number six team that's going to be there. I mean, you've played against the best. You've competed against Georgia. I mean, how you've competed against LSU in the past. Coach, how does that help prepare you from a confidence perspective whenever you've had those non-conference matches and you've succeeded them? Yeah, I mean, well, we've seen the competition, and that's always, you know, they're always getting better, and we know that, and that that's our job is to continue to get better. So the next time we meet, um, we're at the same location we were on the first one. And so uh, I think it's great for the, our athletes. They've obviously been there, done that, like you said. They've seen some of the best. Now they haven't seen everybody. In our session, uh, in our first session, we have Utah. We haven't seen Utah yet this year. They won the Pac-12 championship, um, an excellent, excellent team. So there's still unknowns out there, but they definitely, you know, doing this very tough schedule, being as successful as they were, they definitely are confident about that. And I guess then that gets back to the overriding point to where you are competing against the competition, but, Coach, it's really more in a competition with yourself and to be your best, correct? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we know we have a huge target on our back. Let's get real. You know, the they're gunning for us. We're an undefeated team. Um, we're the top-seeded team. We know that, you know, that's a goal in a lot of people's minds. And so we have to set that aside and, and like you said, be our very personal best. And that will be good enough if we can do that. Are there things that you point to? Um, are, are there things that we can look for that when we see them happen, you realize, okay, this we're rolling right now? Um, is it maybe a, a, a certain routine or a certain move or, or something of that nature, Coach, that when you see it stuck or when you see it land, you say, okay, this is we've got this? Well, I think, I mean, if you look from a scoring perspective, you're going to want to see 49.3s and up. So okay. you're going to want to see that score on all the events. 
um, vault landings are going to be huge for us and a very big determining factor, quite honestly. So those vault landings were spot on at regionals, the best of the year. That's where we need to be. Um, so that's very important. Um, and then obviously just really um, strong, steady performances across the board. Our team's been incredibly consistent. And uh, so, uh, like I said, I mean, I just feel they're so prepared and uh, it's going to be a mental game for them more than anything else. All right, final thought, and I'll let you run because I know you're busy. What's the schedule look like? You guys are flying out tomorrow. Then is it a rest day Thursday? Do you get to go out and kind of uh, work a little bit and prepare on Thursday? What's the schedule look like for you and your team? Um, well, we go. We I head out tonight, and then tomorrow oh. we uh, the team heads out. So, yeah, I know. It's really fast. Um, and they'll be heading to St. Louis. We have a workout on Thursday. And then Friday, we compete at noon, which is quite early. So um, they'll be up and at the gym at about 8 a.m. Um, competing at noon, and it's on ESPNU and ESPN2. So anyone who can't make it to St. Louis, please check us out. Um, that'll be fun to watch. And then uh, we basically have the rest of the day to rest while the second prelim session happens at 7 p.m. that night. Um, so we'll be doing a lot of recovery things and um, getting ready for the next day. And then the Super 6 is on Saturday night at uh, at 8 p.m., really quite late, actually. But that's the same time it was last year. We're used to it and um, very excited. It's going to be a very busy schedule. And then, of course, Sunday morning we'll be having an Easter egg hunt. So from the coach to the reporter and also a former gymnast herself, Chatted with Megan McDonald. Megan's been all over the gymnastics beat all season long for the women's team. And obviously for her, it's a unique perspective because she competed and now she's covering the team closer than the Sooners women's gymnastics team has ever been covered before. Here's Meg's breakdown. No, it's awesome. And I joke, I've never been to a Super 6. Even though I was a college gymnast, I have never been. So I think I might be looking forward to it more than some of the girls who are actually competing. From, okay, take me through then, we talked to K.J. Kindler, but can you take us from a student-athlete's perspective, what's going through their minds right now? Like you said, you never competed, but pre-meet, you talk to these uh, athletes quite a bit, you talk to these ladies quite a bit. What's their mindset right now, Megan? What's one of the biggest challenges as they prepare for tomorrow? I think one of the things, for me at least, so they have practice today. And we'll we'll leave in about an hour to get to the site, and they have ESPN interviews, and then they practice. And that might be one of the most nerve-wracking times, just because you're wait you've been waiting for it for two weeks. So they've had the bye week in between regionals; they haven't seen this competition yet in two weeks, which is a lot. So I think practice day is one of the most exciting times, maybe nerve-wracking, because they'll do routines and they'll do full sets. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of the judges are there, just kind of scouting the teams and kind of getting a feel of who's who and who's doing what. So there's still a little pressure during practice day as well. And then tomorrow, I mean, they, they are in the first session. So we leave the hotel, I think, at 8.30 in the morning, and wow. it's go time. Yeah, which I was telling Jessica Cootie on Spotlight the other day, you can't really practice for that because they're not practicing at 8.30 in the morning ever because they have class. So... <laughs> One thing that KJ Kindler said at regionals, uh, she knew they were in the first session. So she said, from here on out for the next two weeks, I want you guys getting up as early as possible to get your bodies acclimated to being ready for go time to compete at the biggest meet of the year. 
So how ch- you've been there, you've lived it, Megan. How much of a challenge is that to reset your body clock? Now, again, we're talking about a sport where there's a team championship, but there's a lot of individual challenges that go into that. So from a focus, from a preparation, you know, some people, I'm a morning person. I love the morning. I can wake up at 5 a.m. and life is fine by me. Some people can't. Some people just mm-hmm. aren't morning people. So I know it's probably person by person, but how big of a challenge is that to try to reset your body clock and then have to perform at a high level? Yeah, it's challenging mentally and physically. Like sometimes some of these girls can be ready to go physically and their bodies are feeling good, but mentally they're just not ready to be throwing these crazy skills because these skills are crazy, because OU does some of the hardest routines in the nation, which is why they're the best. But physically, their bodies, I mean, when I was a senior, I couldn't even run down the vault runway. Like, wow. I didn't even practice by the time it was postseason. Like, all right, well, it's, I'll just compete. So, like, when you wake up, your body aches, your ankles hurt, and when you're vaulting and landing on those hard landings, it stings. And can you imagine doing it at 8 in the morning? It stings yeah. even more. So... <laughs> It's both mental and physical. You know, we were trying to, and I think you and I have had this discussion, lay out the challenges that college gym presents as opposed to where most of these uh, young ladies, student athletes now, were competing before they got to college. Now, for the Chase Caps and for the A.J. Jacksons of the world, they're familiar with it because they've gone through a college season the last couple of years. But how much of a challenge do you think it was for the younger gymnast, specifically Maggie Nichols, whenever, Mm -hmm. you know, it was only, what, one or two meets every other month, and now – you know, you got to prepare your body because you're competing every weekend. And you get a little bit of a break here when you get to mm-hmm. the conference championships and the regionals and then, of course, the national championship. But, Meg, you kind of touched on it a little bit. How big of a challenge is that physically for everybody? Yeah, I think specifically with Maggie, because in the elite world, you only, she only competed two to three times a year, probably. And in college, you compete two to three times a week. Wow. <laughs> so, and she's doing the all-around. So it's not like she even has an event off during the meet. So she, and especially floor and vault, those are the, the events that really take a toll on your body. And that's why KJ Kimler kind of rested her in the, uh, during the regular season just because you, she can't take it, and most people can't take it. So it's not like she's an anomaly. She just wasn't used to it. But at regionals, that was the first time she had done all-around in, I don't know, maybe a month. Like, she didn't even do all-around at Big 12 because they didn't really – they didn't really need her because, I mean, everyone can step up on this team. Everyone's really talented. Obviously, they're the number one team for a reason. But, yeah, no, and that's why that, that's just why they rested her. But she's ready. She's It's go time for her. She's excited. How, how impressed have you been with what she's done this year? Oh, gosh. Really <laughs> impressed. <laughs> um, she, she's a freshman. Like, that's what it's so hard to wrap your mind around is because she's so mature. When you hear her in interviews, she's seasoned. Like, she knows what to say, what not to say. You can't trick her in, as a freshman. You can kind of trick people as a freshman, but you can't trick her into giving you information that you want. So, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've talked to her, Chris. She's, she's an impressive young lady. 
You know what? I mean, I haven't had a chance to yet. I heard her speak. She spoke really? at my church. Yeah. And I was kind of waiting because, you know, I'm very much a superstitious person, and I don't want, I don't want to be the mush that when I talk to her, suddenly <laughs> everything falls apart. So I plan on chatting with her once the season wraps up. But, uh, okay. you know, we asked, we asked Coach Kindler this, and I'm going to ask you as well, too. Yeah, it's going to be televised tomorrow. You're going to have all kinds of coverage and reports at Soonersports.com and Soonersports.tv. So with all that said, what are we looking for to say, hey, this team's on track. We're looking good for a potential national championship. Is it a routine? Is it a number? Maggie, in your opinion, or Megan, in your opinion, what are we looking for from a numbers perspective or at least from an event perspective that says, all right, this team's on track? Yeah, they're definitely going to want to score in the 198 region. Just because they're RQS, so their regional qualifying score, which I don't want to go too far into it because it's kind of complicated, but it's essentially like their average of the season. And they're the only team in the nation that's going into reg- or nationals with a 198. So LSU's number two with a 197.45, I believe, and everyone mm-hmm. else is below that. So that's a pretty good gap. So if they can have a 198, they'll probably win the session or they'll at least be in the top two. So they're going, they're going to want to shoot for the 198 to be a complete shoe-in, to be in the top three of the first day to qualify to the Super 6 on Saturday. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to look ahead. At least they get a little a little <laughs> bit of a break, right? Because Saturday, if they can get there, it's, a, it's later in the day, correct? Correct. It's not till 8 p.m. So that could, <laughs> be, like I mean, po- that could be a factor, too. 8 p.m. start is kind of late. <laughs> And with six teams, it's not just like a dual meet where they're just going back and forth. And you can pretty much wrap it up in an hour and a half, maybe two. This is going to take a while because they have two buys, which is another obstacle in postseason when you have buys because your body gets cold. You just kind of lose the rhythm mm-hmm. of the meet. So it's, it's going to take a long time. So that's going to be another factor, 8 p.m. start. Saturday night. All right, again, everything gets underway Friday. You can follow at Soonersports.com, Soonersports.tv, and, of course, make sure you're following us at Soonersports.tv, at OU underscore WGYM, G-Y-M, and, of course, at OU on the air. We'll give you complete coverage from St. Louis as the OU women's gymnastics team makes a push towards another national championship. It would be back-to-back national titles. It would be their third title in four years. Years. Let's shift gear to a little golf talk, shall we? Obviously, it was a pretty special week with Brad Dalkey having qualified for the Masters. We gave you complete coverage at Soonersports.com, and the man responsible for it, the man on the scene in Augusta, was Matt Archibald. I asked Arch kind of how they went about putting together all the coverage and I mean, I, come on, you went to Augusta, right? So we're going to talk a lot about what it was like, uh, what it was like being there. But uh, started by just asking Arch how this all came together. Well, in a perfect world, what would have happened is when we realized he qualified, me and somebody else who's smart and on top of it would have um, thought, hey, I wonder what it takes to apply for a credential. But I don't know. It was in the summer. We were probably getting ready for football. We didn't even think about it. So then come January or February, we're like, hmm, you know, maybe we should look into that. Like, we're kind of starting to get that master's buzz. And by the time we found the application process or maybe the person in charge, we realized we were pretty late. Because I think, if I remember correctly, there's an exemption for an amateur playing who's 
in the NCAA so like their team can go and cover them. But we missed the deadline by like two months. So oh, wow. That was out the window, and they seemed less than eager to budge on the deadline for us. So we decided, hey, we uh, were pretty confident fans on Monday through Wednesday during the practice rounds, which is when I was going to go anyway, um, can go down with a, uh, a camera and travel around with a you know, nice camera, take some photos on the practice days. So Brandon was like, Arch, we're going to get you down there. Great. Sounds awesome. Problem is I didn't have a ticket, and it's like the hardest ticket to get in sports. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of a bunch of like, I think everyone sort of misread their emails. Like we thought maybe I was going to get on because the golf team was going through the tournament they played in that weekend. Yeah, the 3M, that's right. Yeah, it was in Augusta. So the, like the, the tournament prize or gift or whatever you want to call it, they give, you know, seven tickets to five golfers and the two coaches. Um, to each golfer or golf team so that they can go and take in Monday's practice round. Awesome. So we were like, oh, maybe there's an extra ticket or maybe like, no, whatever we thought, we were just all off base. <laughs> like, there's no extra tickets to the tournament. They're all used and flushed out, and that's understandable. Like, those are not easy to come by. So in that last week, I kind of just went into scramble mode. I started calling up everybody I thought might be able to uh, – you have assistance, and I was down at the uh, golf facility talking with uh, Jim Guerin, their assistant coach, and Brad walked by, and he was like, hey, Brad, I'm sure most of your family, you know, because he gets a an allotment for actually being in the Masters. He's a star, obviously. Right. Um, but his tickets were all used by aunts and uncles and brothers and cousins or whatever, which is, I was never asking for that, but I was like, any idea if there's any one you know i don't know just any name or number you think you can maybe give me i'll sort out he goes you know what? my mom's been just kind of thinking here this one should give her a call so i gave her a call and we kind of thought out loud for about 30 minutes <laughs> and she's like i'll explore a few of these options i'll get back to you, you call Augusta again see if there's any way they can budge blah 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 so i did my part to no success and then she called me back a couple days later and was like hey we met with this one member down there he um you know he he knows Brad and he said he's gonna give you uh, he's gonna give you a badge. Wow. Okay. Wow. So by the grace of a stranger, who I've never met and I still haven't, I only know him because his name was on the, like the will call envelope. Uh, that's how I got on the uh, most exclusive golf course in the world. So what was that experience like? Whenever you first pulled in and you first stepped on the course as Diehard golf guys, I'm I'm with you there. I've never experienced it. I've always wanted to. It kind of seems like the the bucket list moment, the penultimate moment, whatever way you want to describe it. Can you put into words what it felt like stepping on that course? Yeah, I mean, like just just the drive up, like traffic's backed up, but the lines move and it's efficient. And then you park, and then you walk to the gate, and then you scan your badge. So they kind of like delay the fun just enough to really get you excited and, you know, really get you, get you ready to see it. And then in the, there's only really two gates to enter on. I entered in the North gate, which is right by the clubhouse and number one T like I get in there and there's like the giant masters leaderboard. Wow. Like the thing you would see on TV all the time. Um, just everything's just so perfect. Like the shade of green is perfect. Every blade of grass is perfect. And 
I just kind of stopped there right off the first fairway and just kind of took it in. Like I was a little late to meet up with Brad on his uh, Monday tea time, but I was like, I'm just going to drink this moment in, soak it in, let it, uh, let it kind of settle before I start trying to go into like work mode. But, Oh, it was so cool. I mean, you, I've watched the tournament, that tournament since, you know, I was a little kid with my dad and just, seeing it in person it's one of those things like i was afraid maybe i built it up too much in my head <laughs> and it, it exceeded it by a long shot and then you just start you know hearing all the things that everyone who's been there says before like tv doesn't do it justice the hills the slopes everything like it's all true like i've never had something that people build up and then it's true and exceeds what you've already had as really high expectations that's awesome, man. And then you tag on to it, someone that we've followed, someone that is a University of Oklahoma product and what Brad Dawkey did. I mean, what a I mean, it's cool to go to the Masters regardless, but then Arch to have that and it's the reason we're there. We would go as fans. But can we I mean, to have an Oklahoma guy there, to have him wearing his OU hat as he's walking down the fairway as he's playing. I mean, it just it just adds to it exponentially, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, for my own purposes, it just it gave me a purpose. Right. Like, rather than just walking around and really, like, loving the course, which I did. I made sure as I walked to keep my head up and soak it in and enjoy every step, which I think really is a benefit of the no cell phone policy. Rather than taking a picture and snapping it or putting it on Instagram, I was just forced to enjoy the course, which I am so thankful for. So I almost – I'm – Maybe it is annoying when you hear about it, but I love the fact that you were off your phone for four to 12 hours every morning you stay there. But yeah, Brad being there, like, again, it gave me purpose. Like, rather than just walking around the course, like, I'm taking photos, which half these photos I love for myself anyway. Like, just the course, and it's just this mammoth course with this little Brad making his way through it. But <laughs> it made me proud. You know, I'm, I didn't go here. I, uh, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, but I, I'm proud to work here. And it was cool to have you know, either Monday or Tuesday, he's playing with Bubba Watson and then Bubba Watson and Jordan Spieth. Like, these guys are the names in golf. So it's not a slight for any of these fans to be like, okay, obviously that's Spieth. That's, who, who's that other guy? Who's that guy in the blue or the yellow? <laughs> and, like, I don't know, for the for me, like, following them all around the week, I basically just kept saying, like, I was his cousin in my head to make it seem like, you know, I'm part of the family. But uh, it, it helped me get to the front of the line on the – on some photos, on some holes, like, yeah, what are you, who are you taking photos of? Oh, I'm Brad Donkey's cousin. Um, <laughs> it was cool to, like, <laughs> it was cool to say, hey, that's Brad Donkey. He's 19. He's a sophomore at the University of Oklahoma, and he qualified by uh, making it to the finals of the U.S. Amateur. And people were all like, oh, wow, that's incredible. And, like, I feel like I made some people, you know, minor fans of him just by explaining the story. You've now had two of the ultimate experiences in the span of what six months less than that going to the yeah, Heisman going to the Heisman trophy finalist standing in a room with some of the greatest college football players of all time then arch you find yourself at the masters i i think we talked after you went to the Heisman is is it fair to say what the comparison was like between being in the room with a bunch of Heisman winners and uh, covering, you really got to go to high, behind the scenes with Didi whenever you were there at the Heisman. Uh, does it compare to Augusta and being there right behind the ropes and 
watching your cousin hit golf balls like Brad Dalkey <laughs> did. I mean, it, it's it's hard to compare those two, isn't it? It's just I'll say the the similarity is that I was I found myself in two places where I just felt like I absolutely didn't belong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I have decent flag football and pickup football abilities, but it certainly doesn't compare to Heisman Trophy winners. And yes, I can break 80 on a municipal golf course, or at least I used to in high school. But I mean, just looking at this course playing, I mean, every par four is 440, 450, 460. The greens are like putting on ice and they're sloped everywhere. I just, I just tip my cap and say, you know what, this is, this is the course where you can absolutely see where the best in the world, uh, you know, why they're the best in the world, where the, the difference is. I mean, even just when they hit a uh, three wood off the tee, it just has a different pop, a different trajectory. It just seems to zoom off the face in the right direction. Uh, unlike, you know, me and my buddies playing 18 holes on a Saturday afternoon. So, just just the total appreciation for people that are just so dominant at their craft would be the similarities. And then, I mean, the Heisman ceremony, the, 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 what's weird about Augusta is the theater is what makes it so unique and special. Like I could have gone there on a Monday, even when it rained out Monday and Wednesday, I was, it was just cool to be on the property. Right. I don't know that there's an, like, if you went to a Wrigley Field and you just sat in Wrigley Field at noon on an empty game day, like or before the game, like if you were just the only person in Wrigley, it'd be cool. But it doesn't like come even anywhere close to if you are just standing at Augusta. You don't even have to watch a golf shot. Right. Like yeah, I was I followed Dustin Johnson around on my own personal time a little bit, but like I was just happy to walk down the you know, off the fairway on holes thirteen through seventeen or sit at Amen Corner. Like, I don't know if there's another place in sports where the theater is the celebrity. That's a great point. That's a great way to put it. Is there uh, anything and, – and by the way, I, two, two more and then I'll let you run. Is there anything that TV doesn't do justice whenever you're at the Masters, whenever you're at Augusta? Well, I'll tell you the one thing I, I sort of had some time Monday evening after I, like, kind of gone through all my best photos. I went back and I was like, I know the shots that, like, from my teenage self to now, like remembers at the Masters, obviously Tigers chip in on 16, but I couldn't quite remember which hole Bubba hit his insane wedge shot on to win the Masters. So I was like, I was, I was going through and I was looking up all these famous shots. The coolest thing to do was to then go and find those spots on the course. So I walked the back nine before Brad's afternoon tea time on Tuesday. I found Bubba's spot in the woods on 10. Like everyone was surrounding it and they're like, this is, this is it. I was like, actually, I know it's right here. I watched a sports science on YouTube, like just the other night. And like, I pretty much had the spot and like, you just can't even come like fathom how you could hit like a 54 degree wedge with a 60 foot hook. Not only try to do it on the driving range with 30 mulligans, but this is the masters. Like, the goal for every person that ever tees it up is on the line, and you want to try to pull up that shot. That's incredible. Phil's shot from the woods on 13 on the par 5 where he almost, like, snapped his club on a tree. Like, just seeing those spots, you just have a total new appreciation for how how difficult and how, like, 
tough it is. Like the the chip shot from Tiger on sixteen, like I, I thought there was way more room over where it was just by the angles you've seen. But like he wasn't that far past the water and the trap that's over there. Like he really, he was probably like six foot from being completely screwed that day. Instead, yeah. he hits one of the most iconic shots in all of golf history. That's unreal. It's unreal. Matter of inches. And then the the final thing. Now you go from Augusta and you're going on a golf high and you get to do golf this weekend. So for those that uh, haven't had a chance to see, we're broadcasting the Maxwell. Depending on when you're consuming the podcast, it's either uh, tomorrow or today. Can you kind of even begin to take us through, Arch, what that uh, – how? well, you're excited for it, but also that challenge that goes into trying to put a golf broadcast on as opposed to all the other sports we do. Yeah, I mean, golf – is from what you talk to like people in the TV industry, golf and NASCAR are the two most difficult things to uh, produce, cover, put on TV. The amount of resources it takes is just incredible. And then like golf course and it, I mean, a NASCAR track for that point, but like they're massive, yeah. it's a massive piece of property at a golf course. So to get signal and wire and microphone cables and all of that back to, um, you know, the, the trucks is normally how CBS would do it at the Masters. They'd probably have four or five trucks that are all compiling everything. We're trying to do our best on what we can, but I mean, we're going to have every bit of resources out there and it's still not even close to enough. Wow. But what I love about working here at Senior Vision is we will try things. We will jump into the fire with a plan, but knowing that it will not <laughs> be followed for more than a couple hours, we will adjust. We will laugh at the mistakes. We will learn from them. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a learning experience for everyone. <clears throat> Jacob Potter's like the head producer. There's probably three other people that you could call a producer that day, but he's the most organized person that works here. Uh, he has a great plan in place. I was leaving through it before he called. It's 19 pages. Wow. Sort of explanation of wow. who needs to be doing what and what camera needs to be doing what and all this other stuff. Um, it's going to be... A really fun mess, if that makes any sense. I love it. I we're love gonna, it. We're gonna we're gonna try our best. It'll it'll come it'll come up. And what I've said, hey, this is our first ever golf broadcast. If we get some shots up on TV, then we have succeeded. <laughs> and then we'll work on making it. We'll work on making it super polished and super clean. Hopefully, in the years to come, if this is an opportunity that we uh, have down the road. But I think it's gonna be great. I'm excited. I think I'm running a camera or something, so I'll just be uh, out there shooting golf for five or six hours, whatever it takes. But it'll be great. I know I'm the excited uh, for uh, for Sooner Vision. I'm excited for you guys too. Uh, I know the access was limited, and I know that it was uh, it wasn't a ton. But where can people find all the stuff, all, all the pics you took of Brad? Is it right there on SoonerSports.com on the golf page? Yeah, there's a page on SoonerSports.com. It's probably still one of the top ones on the men's golf page, but it. Um, follow Dalkey at the Masters is a good one. Yeah, that's the page. That or Dalkey completes the run at the Masters. There's two kind of Masters pages. But the follow one, so the kind of way we did the coverage was I took the photos and then I just dispersed them to the coaches and family members and they kind of were responsible for tweeting them for us. So it kind of looked like a a grassroots sort of coverage plan. But there's kind of all the coverage from there. There's a photo album. There's the videos that I and other people put together. That'd be the best place to kind of see everything. Before I I go, I absolutely have to say thanks to Mrs. Dolke and that family. They're incredible. She hooked me up 
just unbelievably more than anyone really ever should. Obviously, she was preparing to watch her son play in something which is absolutely a dream come true. So for her to take the time to help me out at all and even go way above and beyond what she did was uh, truly remarkable, and I can't thank her enough. I'll probably get her a Mother's Day gift, even though you know, she's just my aunt. <laughs> yeah, you got to take care of your aunt on Mother's Day, Arch. Come on, man. What are you doing? All right, thanks, buddy. I appreciate your time and great stuff online. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Blank. So there you go. Uh, a week removed from the spring game. We still have more football to get to. We'll go in-depth with football. Uh, men's gymnastics team going for national championship next week, so we'll have Mark Williams on next week. And, of course, as we mentioned, with the big matchup coming up between Oklahoma and Baylor, Sooner Softball, we'll see if we can't talk uh, Coach Gasso, JT, or maybe even Coach Lombardi to coming on with us next week to help preview the OU-Baylor matchup. Until then, good luck to the women's gymnastics team. We'll be back with the Monday morning refresher looking back on everything that happened. Thank you for subscribing, Soonersports.tv slash podcast, and, of course, by searching OU Radio Network, Sooner Radio Network, on iTunes and finding the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until next week, everyone have a great weekend of Sooner activities. Enjoy time with your family on Easter. Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.